The busy beaver. Yeah, hardworking, but a potential conservation hero? I bet you're more likely to think of the beaver as a, a wildlife pest, damming up rivers, chewing up trees. That image is about to change with my next guest. Dr. Emily Fairfax is a beaver researcher, assistant professor, Department of Geography, Environment and Society, University of Minnesota. She's been part of an exciting venture using Google imaging to locate beaver dams and ultimately the positive role they could play in climate change. Professor Fairfax, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to be here. And and am I wrong? I think when the average person thinks of a beaver, yeah, they're busy chewing on those trees, building dams, but they can be seen as a bit of a pest, can't they? They certainly can. I think a lot of times both we want to control the landscape and beavers want to control the landscape, and we're not always in agreement about what it should look like. All right. So let's go back to how you became connected with this project when it came to Google imaging and trying to map out where beaver dams are. Give me the backstory. So I've been mapping out beaver dams in satellite and aerial imagery for a while. And back in 2019, I got an email from Dan and Eddie at Google, and it was just a cold email. And they're like, hey, one, can you map out beaver dams in aerial imagery and satellite imagery? And two, do you think that we could use machine learning to do it automatically? And I was just totally sucked into that. Like, of course I want to do that. It'd be so much faster and easier. And if anyone has the tech power to do it, it's going to be Google. <laughs> so, so Emily, tell me how you did it. You said you've been doing this for years, but you've been using satellite imaging, trying to spot where a beaver dam is. How do we then connect it to the Google imaging? Yeah, so what I had been doing is looking at a bunch of publicly available satellite imagery and like physically trying to spot beaver dams, like as if you were looking out an airplane window and trying to look for beaver dams as you fly over, um, which you can do. They're pretty big structures, but it does take a really long time. And so when Google came up with this idea and wanted to sort of scale it up, what we tried to figure out is how can we actually teach a computer to do exactly what I was doing myself? And that involved showing it tens of thousands of beaver dams that we had already manually found in the landscape and saying basically like this is what you're looking for look for this look for these patterns these colors these shapes and over time it was able to it could find them just like i could so you're saying that since that email in 2019 this has been happening yeah we've been working on it since 2019 um just this past spring we published a paper on it uh, showing off our results and sharing our code and hoping that we can scale this up and instead of just you know developing the technology and testing it on a few sites really put it to work for conservation efforts so tell me the role a beaver plays in our ecosystem because i started off by saying most people think of them as pests but you see them differently tell me about that yeah, beavers are both a keystone species and an ecosystem engineer. Keystone species means that a lot of other plants and animals depend on the beaver to make its habitat for them. And then ecosystem engineer means that the beaver is capable of moving into a landscape and turning it into something else to suit its own needs. And so with beavers, they move into streams and rivers, even if they're really degraded and in an unhealthy state, and they can turn it into a wetland. And wetlands are these incredibly 
potent spots of ecosystem services. They have enhanced biodiversity. They're really good at attenuating uh, or reducing the power of flood waves. They're relatively drought and fireproof. And as climate change is really ramping up, you know, these disasters get more common. We have more droughts and floods and fires. And if beavers can be out there sort of proofing the landscape against that, like that benefits us big time. Well, as you say, with disasters, we are looking at droughts and floods. So I'm trying to get my head around the fact that oftentimes beaver dams can cause flooding. Can they or am I? That's a misconception out there. It's not a misconception. It's just how you think about flooding. So Mm. when beavers create flooding, it's a small localized ponded area, pretty much. Um, That, as long as the beaver's maintaining it, isn't particularly threatening to anything upstream or downstream. It just exists. It's a body of water like a lake or a pond. Um, When you have a flood event, like a big rainstorm or a lot of snowmelt all at once, that's a huge amount of water trying to come downstream really fast. And in narrow, degraded systems, there's not room for it. And so the water will rip away at the banks. It'll destroy roads. It'll pull apart houses. But when those big flood waves hit beaver ponds and beaver wetlands, they have a lot more space to spread out. And the beavers are really good at digging these canals that actually move the water out onto the floodplain. So there's this little localized flooding year-round the beavers do cause. But then when you have these sort of flood disasters, they can take the power out of it and make it less destructive downstream. Well, that is so interesting. Dr. Emily Fairfax is my guest this afternoon. She's a beaver researcher, assistant professor, Department of Geography, Environment and Society, University of Minnesota. And over the last number of years, she has been working with Google, making it easier to actually plot where these beaver dams are. So with that information then, how do we work this together when we look at some areas that could be facing drought? So so bring it all together for me, Emily. Yeah, so right now we actually don't know where most of the beavers are on the landscape. They are not typically monitored like you might monitor other species of interest. And so if we want to think about where can beavers be most useful, first question is where are there beavers? Hmm. Um, and that's what the eager model that I built with Google is really good at. It tells us where the beavers are and where they're not. And then we can think about that data and that information in the context of, well, you know, we know that this section of watershed is really prone to um, flooding and it doesn't currently have beavers. So this would be a place where beavers could be encouraged or supported to help take down that flood risk. Or similarly, if you have big plots of land that are consistently seeing longer and more intense droughts and there's not beavers there, that might be a great spot to encourage beavers to come back in. And then in the places that we already have beavers, we know we can watch them and monitor them there and try to understand even better how exactly are they benefiting us in the context of climate change and answer some more of those fundamental questions like, do you need five beavers? Do you need 100 beavers? Like, are there thresholds of the beaveriness we need? Huh. And and if people didn't catch the acronym EAGER, Earth Engine Automated Geospatial Elements Recognition <laughs> Oh, my gosh. But it does work well with the eager beaver. Uh, Emily, so uh, as I say, we've got to start changing our thinking, and you're doing a great job of it right now on beavers and the important role they play. So uh, haven't for many years communities, states, provinces done their best to get rid of beavers? Uh, Do we have uh, a problem with actually, as you say, finding them and then maybe moving them, relocating them to places that they're needed? Yeah, you know, places have historically not been super supportive of beavers. 
There are some parts of Canada and North America where there are healthy, thriving beaver populations. It's totally imbalanced. We don't need to worry about it. But there are also parts of Canada where the beaver population is really low still. It has not rebounded significantly since the fur trade. There's a lot of places that would benefit from beaver presence. And so part of Eager is figuring out where are those places, but then also that can help inform where we need to be doing outreach and education work and talking about why a beaver might be useful in this landscape. If they haven't been there for 200 or 250 years, there's not a lot of knowledge left in the community about what it looked like when beavers were there. And so connecting with those people, talking about like, yes, the stream is pretty, but the wetland is better on the long-term scale, I think that's really important for helping shift attitudes without making people feel like beavers are being forced on them. I'm going to be more eager about beavers just because of this conversation. Emily, thanks so much. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Dr. Emily Fairfax, beaver researcher, assistant professor, Department of Geography, Environment and Society, University of Minnesota.